welcome to the welcome to the best show on earth wow thank you for having me it's such an uh, honor i am a kind man are we going to pretend that we haven't recorded two beforehand that didn't go well? I was, I was wondering whether to make a joke about like, it's so nice to be here recording this for the first time ever with you yeah. and this not yeah. the third time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what, I mean, the first time was just, was it just low quality or was there something else that went wrong? No. Yeah. You hadn't come up with your gimmick yet. Yeah, that's true. We hadn't, hadn't done that. Also, it was laden with uh, audio dropouts in audacity uh, so and then uh -huh. the second one the second one was just firstly there were audio issues on both ends and yeah. i was um yeah. i was drifting off very like just i was barely functioning as a human being because we, <laughs> we record these at uh, midnight my time yeah yeah um but that's that's like a normal but that's like 8 p.m my time like psychologically you uh, know right like midnight you're like awake i mean you're usually up until like at least 3 a.m every day right um kind of but towards the tail end i really am dropping off the face of the earth mentally yeah and maybe yeah. physically i don't know i don't know what's happening with my sort of fault. spectral form unfortunately my corporal form is tethered to uh the earth by gravity don't know if you've heard of that you know what I don't know. I, you know, I'm. You're always talking about your corporal form, and it's a little yeah. bit narcissistic, honestly. What? Come on. Anyway, you're you're my. <laughs> there, there are two Ninas that interest me. There's Nina, the uh, Ivy League professor, and then there's Nina, my uh, my butt, my little buddy. Would you call yourself my buddy? <laughs> yeah. Fine. Wow, that was right. super condescending. Laugh my little up. buddy. My little Jesus. buddy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you prefer you, to call it. No, no, you're you right. You can't even bring. No, but you you can't even bring yourself to to call me your friend. No, you like you prefer to use I don't know like amigos. Is that it? You like to call us amigos. I know I'm not wearing the um, special sort of sombrero that you know comes with a pair you had made for us, but I'm glad you're wearing yours. The uh, I'm, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a mortarboard right we're now. We're currently on uh, we're currently on Zoom video, and I can see you. Uh, this will go out in audio, but I can describe what's happening. <laughs> you're you're wearing a giant sort uh -huh. of sombrero, and I'm not wearing mine just because it's not because I'm I'm not friends with you. It's just it's just not very me. But you are obviously doing it, and I take it as a token of our friendship. And it's made of sort of corn chip material, and you've filled it with creme fraiche and salsa. And you're 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 sort of breaking bits off and dipping them in and eating them as we speak, which is a bit disrespectful. Oh, actually. Oh yeah, yeah, like um, and on the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, like Homer. Homer's a nacho man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you're doing, is what I'm saying. Um, it's an homage. Anyway, so mm -hmm. I've 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 I don't know if I need to reiterate what the well, you as you so crudely put it, gimmick of this podcast is uh, each time we do it, <laughs> but um. Because I don't know if I need to remind people. I don't know when this is coming out. You know, it may, it may maybe it even won't. Maybe uh, I'm going to bury Almost it. certainly. Mm. But uh, yeah, I just found a bunch of questions. I found a bunch <laughs> of questions. Um, I found a PDF of uh, questions you can expect at an academic interview for a, for a university that you've probably encountered <laughs> before in your life. Um, yeah, you mean like a job interview. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I chose some from the research section. So if you're interviewing someone for research stuff. Um, Is this going to give me like straight up PTSD flashbacks? Yes, that's, well, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay, let's start with this. Oh, I don't know what to start with. No, I think about it. All right, okay. <laughs> Introduce yourself. What are the key findings of your current research? This is so mean. Yeah. I, like, you contacted me a little bit ago, and you were like, do you want to record the podcast uh -huh. again? I was like, that's fine. Yeah. I'm, like, having, like, I don't have, like, the, like, energy to actually get any real work done today, and yeah. I have cramps, and mm -hmm. I've just been in bed all day. Yes. And now, like, <laughs> I'm being asked to perform in, like, like the yeah. highest possible yeah. capacity. Half, half in, improv. Like, high yeah, half improv, half sincere. Yeah. Um, like a enumeration of your of your qualities and and um, findings. Yeah. Okay. All right. What was the question again? Um, I'm already off to a bad start. I need to. Well, push yeah. No, you've lost. You've lost the job. 
<laughs> what are the key findings yep. in your current research? <laughs> yeah. Do, are people like like it's a meta question about the question? Are people actually going to want to know? Because like I can answer that question, right. um, but like, will your listeners want to hear the answer to it? Feels um, like it might bore them. Depends. Okay, okay. Let's let's go to the next one. What has been the main theoretical and empirical contribution to your subject? Let's just stick with theoretical because. Uh, I think people would like to hear about the true self again. The <laughs> the phenomenon of the true self, which I'm sure you're used to um, dishing out in, in pop science outlets. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, my, my I've actually done research on a, a lot of different topics within psychology, uh, although the, the one that you, Leo, seem to have latched on mm-hmm. most to mm-hmm. uh, is the stuff on the true self. Um, so the true self is, um, the intuition that most of us have that, you know, even though there's, there's the the way that people appear, you might call that like their surface self. That's how you act on a day-to-day basis, the superficial features of a person, but that beneath all of us, there is an essence or a, a, a true, um, uh, nature that we have. And maybe you don't see it every day. Maybe you never even see it at all. Um, and then we call that the, the true self, right? That, that's who you are deep down. This is often like the uh, focus of like, there's all sorts of like self-help gurus who will in essence be talking about like trying to, you know, get at who you really are and get that person to manifest. Um, now, my research has not been about like, what is the true self actually, because they don't really think it exists. I think it's just an illusion. Um, but uh, to, to study the nature of the intuitions that we have about the, the true self or uh, who, who, who someone really is deep down. Um, and what this research um, shows is that most of us uh, have the intuition, both when we think about our own true selves and about that of others, is that we're good deep down, morally good, especially. Um, and that the thing that makes us who we really are, um, even though other features might change, uh, is our like morally good core. Yeah. And it's sort of invariant across a lot of things. For example, um, people think it of themselves. They think it of other people. Ostensibly misanthropic people still believe mm-hmm. that others and themselves are good deep down. And it's, uh, <laughs> I like how you say ostensibly, like clearly you're still skeptical of that finding. Well, no, no, no. I just mean that, you know, like you wouldn't expect that of a misanthropic person that doesn't come into your, oh. so like your, what you would think of as a misanthropic person would, would do that. That's all I'm saying. Look, right. if you're, you know, if you're taking things uh-huh. a certain way, maybe we can examine that, you know, why, why are you so defensive? <laughs> I mean, that particular research finding isn't my own, so there's no reason for me yeah, to yeah, of be course. Um, yeah, defensive about it. But uh, yeah, it's a, it shows some uh, sh- like evidence of cross-cultural robustness. Uh, so yeah, I think they've looked at this in um, Chinese populations, in Russia, and um, in South America, as well as um, Western Europe and America. And the pattern is the same. But no studies in my um, land, the land of England. Maybe, maybe I'm not. You know. No. Uh, well, I would include the UK and Western Europe. Oh, okay. This is a uh, I didn't bizarre hear thing that I noticed when I. Yeah. Oh. Do you do you consider the UK to be part of Western Europe? Sure. No, I just didn't. I didn't hear it. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm not oh, listening okay, to got you. It, got it. <laughs> <laughs> that is something I've noticed about doing got these it. things. Is it's is. I re-listen to them afterwards. It's like, and I, I realize, oh, I really could have been paying more attention. Um, but you're so in your own head, and that's something that hopefully will go away the more I do it. Um, I'm so focused well, on. Presumably, the people who are listening to this also aren't paying that close attention. Yeah. So oh, I, I, God, I hope so. I... Yeah. <laughs> well, my, I mean, my, my hope, like the peak of what I hope this becomes is just a way for someone to plug their, their senses while they do something that's actually important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. While people are like washing the dishes or whatever. Sure. They're stacking crates at a warehouse. They're, they're folding laundry. They're sending a breakup mm. text, anything. 
anything but actually paying attention <laughs> to what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as you I said, true self, true self. The reason I, I quite like it is because it's so intuitive to, I think, everyone who hears it. And also kind of, I don't know, when I thought about it, it's like it made a lot of, I feel like it may have untangled a knot, a couple of knots I have in my head about certain things. And, you know, it's reflected very clearly in the popular culture, like you said, with um, all these self-help books, like realizing your potential is painted as, you know, you're becoming who you really are or like these potentialities are somehow part of you. Well, and it's not just that, but that it's it's the implication um, or the thing that everyone just assumes, although it's never said, is that if you realize your true potential, it's a potential to be good not a potential to be evil. Self-actualization is never seen as actualizing bad things. Yeah. Um, and that the, the reason, I mean, the reason for that isn't because it's true. It's, you know, because we all just have that kind of cognitive bias. Yeah. OJ Simpson's true self is he goes into a sort of daddy daycare situation and reforms. <laughs> right. Starts taking care of kids. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that day. Yeah. He's uh, he's in. What's funny is he's a a great guy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's that's what's funny. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I was just I'm I'm I just was this is a a non sequitur practically, but um, I think it's funny that you were painting me as someone wearing um, a sombrero on my head that I was slowly uh, masticating. When the truth is so much more interesting, uh, and uh, and you know it. Right, you have a yeah. parrot on your shoulder, is that it? I have a parrot on my shoulder, yeah, and it, it's currently eating my hair a bit. Right, and a peg leg and an eye patch. Yarmy yeah, hearty, the, the bird that's has you. A peg leg. <laughs> oh, right. That would be quite a good sort of, I don't know what, a lateral move. Have your bird dress as the pirate. That's like a commentary on pirates. You should, wow. go, you should go to a Halloween Very party meta. and do that. I'm going to have my parrot dress like a pirate, and I'm going to dress like a parrot for Halloween. Oh, that's very good. That would actually be really, really good. <laughs> and then try and sit on your parrot's uh, shoulder and kill it by accident. Don't do that. Okay. Well, everything except for that last part. Yeah. 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 Don't do that. Um, no, I think we're over. Let's move to the next question. By the way, you know, answer these as you wish. You don't have to answer them seriously. Outline a project you would undertake if you were awarded research funding. <laughs> you know, what's funny is. Um, the research funding is very hard to come by these days. Um, and, and I don't, remember don't I know my it. job interviews. Yes. Well, I assume that you're using the proceeds from this podcast to fund your research. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. All the 50 pounds that I've been pledged this month's <laughs> month is going towards uh, stringent research. I yeah. Look, I'm going to become the first yeah. podcast billionaire. It's going to happen. And you can, you're, you're either with me, with me or against me. So make your choice now. <laughs> Based on um, everything that's happened so far, I, I, I know where you stand. You're, you're committed um, yeah, to my no, downfall. You are going to be the Elon Musk yeah. of podcasts. Yeah, Bezos, Musk, Branson, maybe a, a sort of chimera of all three, a Cerberus. My, um, <laughs> uh, my, I'm reminded thing. of this, this friend, my, um, this old friend my mom had who she doesn't talk to anymore who had this like decaying house in France um, mm-hmm. who worked for Virgin Airlines and would keep a picture of her not on any uh, any like high up position just like worked at the airport and um, met Richard Branson once and had a picture of him and her on her like uh, bedside table <laughs> and she also um, hooked up with one of the Monty Python guys Terry Jones who's now dead uh, wow. and had a picture of them on her table she never married or anything she never like she was sort of quite i think in the time i knew her towards the the tail end of her life although she is still alive she was quite a sad figure um we hooked up with him or had a relationship with him so she just had like a one night stand with him no not one night stand like a fling but it wasn't a relationship i don't think i think it was like that here's how i'd put it he does not have a picture of her in his house (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh, how sad. Yeah, there, we had someone who used to work in a department. Um, one of our administrators, administrative assistants, um, I forget her, you know, exact title, um, who had like um, two, not one, but two pictures of her with 
Mel Gibson uh, <laughs> on two non-consecutive occasions when she'd met him um, hanging up in her cubicle. That's incredible. What was, what was the uh, thinking behind that? She uh, is highly religious. You know, she'd go to church every day at noon, um, right. you know, devout Catholic. Yeah, and so I think that, you know, to her, Mel Gibson was a god. Yeah, and she has uh, some quite, that, she has some she has some ideas about who's running Hollywood. <laughs> I was afraid to, you know, she was in charge of like scanning and xeroxing and stuff for me and I just she was a very pleasant person um but I never wanted to probe too deeply on yeah. you know how problematic and canceled do you consider this person to be? Yeah, when you said your name was um Nina Strominger, did she do the cross across her chest? Did she like peel back a bit? Yeah, she flinched. Yeah. Right. Do you know many surgeons? That's a sort of tangential. Do I know many surgeons? It's a tangential question. This is a free flowing conversation. Personally? Yeah. Um, I don't think I personally know maybe any surgeons. Right. I don't think I do either. No. I wonder what that job's like. Seems like it sucks. I think it's a lot like podcasting. Sort of, you need to be precise. <laughs> right. Like, both of them are like similarly well remunerated. Yeah. Yes. You have to be incisive, mm-hmm. pres- you know. Uh, you Literally have... incisive, like yes. with a scalpel. Exactly. But like, your tongue is your scalpel. Ig- well, as a podcaster. yes. Yes. See, the, the metaphor holds perfectly. I can't think of a better analogy. Uh, yeah you have a lot of you're you're cutting me open right now and rearranging my innards yeah yeah i'm permuting your organs and seeing seeing what 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 works tapping at your head and seeing what seeing what resonates you know i'm a sort of mengele of uh sort of casual conversation (laughs) joseph mengele yeah no i can't say (laughs) yeah for specifying not a not yeah yeah not like um, Eddie Mengele his his cousin who was a famous jazz saxophonist. <laughs> you know Mengele Mengele yeah. went to um, he went to South America and just died in his like perfectly content in a swimming pool in his eighties or whatever. Oh, he was one of the one of the Nazis that escaped South America. Yeah, but like obviously just one of the most um, abjectly evil ones like notoriously yeah yeah, yeah like he, yeah. he's like a, he's like a movie villain and he he was fine he got away with it life isn't fair huh no no it's not yeah it's a shame i would have liked to have him on anyway next question uh what would you <laughs> st- hey, look if you're giggling during this interview you're, you're gonna actually maybe maybe they'll make them like you have you read a lot of research oh. on whether uh being an easy laugher really gets you ahead in life uh, yeah, there is research on that. Um, yeah, people like when, when you when the, when they feel funny around the others, and yeah. so being easy easy uh, to laugh is generally makes you more liked by others. Yeah, I am jealous of that. I'm not a you know particularly. I'm not I'm not an emotive person <laughs> in any way, and uh, no. laughter especially comes you know more difficult to me. I wish I when I meet people who are good at laughing, I'm very I'm very jealous of them, because I, I they they stir up emotions in me that I wish I was, you know, doing for others. Right. Um. Yeah. You, know, you have to rely on your natural charisma um, yep. to win people over, and that's fine. Yep. Mm. You have that in spades. I have that yeah. in spades and buckets and uh, vats, vats of uh, of a sort of um, corrosive fluid that you can drop dead bodies in. That's what my charisma is. I have no objection to that metaphor. What would you consider has been your best work and why? This podcast. <laughs> yes, I was going to say whatever you say is going to be dwarfed very soon. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um Well, how about we make this not academic? What's your best work in life? What are you most proud of? Um uh, my baby. No. Um <laughs> <laughs> you're non-existent or the baby you've at least been not thought to mention for me hiding away yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you've been neglecting yeah he's That'd fine hilarious if I ha- yeah <laughs> i left him behind when i, I left some i left some vegetables on the floor near him he'll he'll survive he'll be fine 
Yeah. I I don't know. I don't really have. I, like I I know the thing that I'm best known for, um, and I, it's a I think maybe for anyone you sort of feel ambivalent about when there's something that you know one thing that you're known for, and it's like on the one hand like it's great that people would know me for anything that I ever did anything that was even semi memorable. Yeah. In my short life. It's rarely aligned with what you feel is your best work or like what you intend for yourself, you know? Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Like I didn't set out to write like a notoriously savage book review, but you know, there you go. Is that what happened? That, that, yeah, that is what happened. Are you? Yeah. So this is, you know, the people who are listening to this have probably never heard of me at all. And so of course they wouldn't know the thing within if you knew me what you might know me for um but if you pass that threshold that that one thing probably is a, a very savage book review of a of a asshole what happened the well the book the book was called the meaning of disgust and it was written by a philosopher colin mcginn who at the time was employed um i think at university of miami somewhere in florida though he has been subsequently been fired for sexual harassment. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> um, and I wrote the book review when I was in grad school. Um, and, you know, I remember being very excited when someone contacted me to review a book, um, some journal, you know, because I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm really on my way. I'm finally getting these kind of like, assignments and invited articles and whatever, you know, I'm really moving up in the world. And then, then, you know, what happens when you're set to review a book is they send you a copy. Um, so then I, they send me the copy and I start reading it and it's just garbage now. And, and, and I, I read it cover to cover cause I know that the convention in a book review, right find a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, wrap it in a neat little bow, and then you're done, right? That, you know, there's your book review, sure. sir. Um, but, like, I was, like, searching for some um, redeeming value in this book, and I could find nothing. I mean, it was also hilariously bad. Clearly written under a very tight deadline, essentially zero research had gone into it seemed to just be a stream of consciousness for like 200 pages. Um, cited none of the relevant work. Um, it was just a, it was just a joke. The entire thing was just a joke. And one night I went out um, and I was telling one of my philosopher friends, like, you know, I got this problem. I have to write this book review. I can't think of anything nice to say. It just, it's the worst thing I've ever read. And he says to me, you know, Nina, uh, Colin McGinn is actually known himself for writing savage, negative reviews of other people's work. Um, so, like, I actually think that the norm here is that you could do that if, if you wanted. Um, and so I was like, all right. So I went home and I wrote a very um, straightforward um, and holding no punches uh, review of the book. And uh, it was one of those, and, and it actually, like, because McGinn was on, um, like, the board or knew people who was, were on the board of the journal, he, like, intervened so it couldn't get published there. Wow. And he actually, he's notoriously um, litigious, um, and she was actually looking into ways of suing me. I actually would not have been the first graduate student that he sued or threatened with a lawsuit for writing a negative. So he's just like a holistic all round piece of shit. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Without yeah. even the talent Very to well back it up. Very piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, I think that in the eighties he was sort of talented, but you know, right. that gave way to hubris. Uh, and What's his like, name again? Know, Colin dementia. something? Co Colin McGinn. Colin McGinn. Everybody look up Colin yeah. McGinn. Uh, yeah, you'll find a lot of, uh, there were many, many articles about him when um, that, uh, uh, that whole sexual harassment scandal came out. Yes. And people have also, <laughs> it's, 
in private conversation told me a variety of like the, the the person that he was fired for harassing was definitely not his first uh misadventure Right. Um, Listen, everyone, Colin McGinn's address will be readily available on the internet somewhere. It's not hard to find out where someone <laughs> lives. Um, and we've got the Nina Strominger co-sign on this. Go and harass him in his house. Knock on his window like an aquarium tank and uh, um, see what he's doing. I did not co-sign doing. on that. Maybe, I maybe, not, did <laughs> I not just say he's notoriously litigious? Maybe point a toy gun through the letterbox, maybe. Ring the bell. I will say that um, the the book review um, is so apparently loomed so large for him uh, that it act, my name actually comes up in the uh, legal paperwork that really? has been made public. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, about the lawsuit uh, and um, specifically in order in order for her um, to illustrate her case, which is that she was afraid. Um, of coming forward because of retaliation because um, McGinn uh, seems to retaliate uh, so um, right so readily. There were like texts between him and her where he was calling me, I don't know, a bitch or something um, and uh, that he was going to destroy me, I think. That was a thing that he was... But, you know, he was busy you. with the destroying himself so yeah. didn't, didn't end up having time... For me, yeah. Yeah, you got him. That's. I mean, how does it feel to just point your finger at someone and they combust? You know. <laughs> but it, but it wasn't like that, right? I mean, the um, it just was a, like a kind of a happy coincidence in right. a way. Like I, I just, it was total dumb luck. I didn't know that um, he was a sexual harasser when I wrote that review. No, it's very convenient for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it worked out great. Yeah. <laughs> I one of the best skills you can have is choosing the right enemies. That's true. You really did choose a perfect guy for this. Like, there's no part of you that ever has to feel guilty about dismissing his work. Yeah. In a particularly sort of, um, I don't know. Yeah. It'll never fashion. be such a pure, like, high again. Yeah, you'll like. never find it again. You've peaked. It's all downhill from here. And now I'm going to be chasing that dragon for the rest of my life. How Were there ways in which it, in which it materialized this sort of, like, um, attention you got? for this other than the, like were people approaching you and talking about it a lot like what was happening oh yeah 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 uh i'm i still have even though this was a number of years ago at this point um you know people at like will come up to me uh, at conferences not like in public like, you know outside of an academic contest um right oh you're the one who did that thing people come up to my sister and ask her if she's the one who wrote it <laughs> there's not a lot of strummingers out there sure. um, and she is also an, an academic um yeah yeah well, that's fantastic uh, but i think uh from what i understand it also prevented me from getting a number of academic jobs oh um because it was it's seen as not collegial uh, if you're a psychologist, not if you're a philosopher, if you're a philosopher, they're used to, um, you know, not, little, not holding back. Yeah. Being a little provocative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're changing yeah, the game. Like I said, there's a norm. I guess so. And, but I, so I had to, but I, I, I think that from what I hear, the job that I did end up getting, and of course the people in the room, the powers that be, they were aware of the review but they saw it as an asset. They were like, oh, she's, you know, sure. she's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. They want to, um, oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. That's exactly what they were thinking. Well, I'm, I am currently in the mind of an academic interviewer and believe you me. That's right. That's what I'm thinking. You would want me in your department. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> of course they were wrong. I'm a terrible colleague. Right. Um, and. Um, Is this where I'm supposed know, to say, no, to that's not true. No, you're just, you can okay. just absorb it. Thank you. You know. <laughs> Thank you for not putting me in that position. All right. Not that I yeah. thought you'd, you'd need it. Anyway, who'd, who would you like to collaborate with? Not Colin McGinn, I suppose. You could actually. You could do a little buddy cop movie, you two. I think I'd, I'd like to collaborate with like a novelist or something like that. Someone in, in like a, an artist or musician, you know, I don't want to collaborate with any more with more psychologists and philosophers. Yeah. Well, a talented musician, not you. <laughs> 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 
That was not the implication. I'm just wondering what musicians you're going to be. Who are you going to be collaborating with? You and Logic? Know, like David Bowie or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Do they need to be alive? Yeah. No, I don't think so. You and the, right. you and Bowie's cadaver. What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know what we do, but the the point of a collaboration is, you know, you get in the same room and you start talking and Things you, know, just you start see wh- whether there's a spark. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, and he's a good listener now. Can, right. Now that he's dead, is that? Yep. Like, I don't think you're a good listener if you're dead. You can't listen anymore. You can't hear. Oh, yeah. This is why this is why you're up there and I'm down here. How uh, how would you ensure that your findings have impact? Do you even want to answer that? <laughs> I, well, I don't want to answer any. Okay, these. that's fair enough. All right, answer it. Let's just make it actions. How do you ensure your actions have impact in the world? Well, maybe I don't want all my actions to have impact. You don't, but you're, you know, you're um, an industrious person, right? You're a Machiavellian figure. How, how are you ensuring that you're climbing this ladder <laughs> of chaos up to the top, swinging your scythe? decapitating every academic that gets in your way how are you doing that i think yeah i think that the, the key is you need to be really scary You're right. like both not just like so scary smart but then also scary mean yeah and so the people just sort of cower before you right you go hey i've actually i've had many people they tell me that i'm intimidating right i assume and i assume it's i don't think it's a good thing you right. know it's you know because i'm 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 scaring them it's interesting. You're like, get those pictures of Mel Gibson off your desk, you stinky old. <laughs> I never, I never commented on the Mel Gibson. She was very nicely. Okay. This. Okay. So this next question, I'm going to ask you the question, and then I'm going to ask you my version with a, where I change a word. What are the big issues okay. in your field? And then my question is, mm-hmm. what are the big issues with your field? That's, oh. Yeah. Uh huh. I flipped it. Um, you. <laughs> the second question is much more interesting. I flipped the sample. I'm like uh, DJ Screw. Do you know who that is? <laughs> no. Uh, is it a real person? Chopped and screwed. You ever heard that phrase? No. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. Is it like a British thing, or is this a British thing, or is this a young people thing, or both? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Screw is not a young person's <laughs> musician, and uh, <laughs> and he was uh, American. I think he was from. I don't even want to guess where he's from because I'm going to get it wrong. He's from America. Anyway, what are the issues with your what oh, frust- What are the sort of quotidian frustrations with your field? I don't want to answer the quotidian issues. Okay, fine. The big ones, big boys. Oh, so. I'll tell you one that has been on my mind. I have many, I have many issues, many complaints. Um, yeah. Uh, but they can't really be contained within a single podcast episode. Um, but I'll tell you one that I'm thinking about a lot. I'm a psychologist, mm-hmm. and if you are, this is now harking back to the previous question that I, I didn't want to answer about having impact. If you are a psychologist, you want to have impact, not just uh, let's say theoretical impact. Right. You want to have like, you know, on some like theory of psychology, you want to have impact on the world. You know, you want to change lives, hopefully for the better. Okay. And so the big so like if you are a psychologist, then the sorts of um, solutions that you're going to be looking for are going to be these kind of psychological or individual level solution. So, for instance. Um, let's say that, you know, you're not a fan of racism um, and you want there to be less of it in the world. Mm-hmm. You're a psychologist who wants to do this. So the places you're going to be looking uh, for solutions are going to be at an individual level. How to make individual people less racist, um, how to change their minds, how to change their behavior. Um, and this has led to all sorts of you know, interventions that have to do with, say, like implicit bias, um, which is a phrase that probably almost like virtually everyone has heard of at this point, um, uh, or like, you know, uh, fo- focusing on like, uh, I don't know, just Im- implicit bias, explicit bias is also a thing, like various interventions of, of that sort. Um, the, 
problem is, and oh, uh, like another word this sometimes goes by is a nudge, right? And a nudge is like a simple uh, behavioral or psychological individual level intervention that is, is cheap and fast and easy, um, but that at least potentially has a very large impact. Right. Can you give an um, example so of that? It's huge. Yeah. Um, probably like the most effective, like, and easily replicated example of a nudge. Um, and like, yeah, uh, is um, with uh, default values, changing the default. So for instance, um, if organ donation in countries where the default is you're an organ donor, until you sell the state, I don't want to be an organ donor. The rate of uh, being an organ donor is really high, like 80%. Right. Um, uh, massively, most people are organ donors. But if you're in a country like the US, I assume also like um, in England, um, where it's not the default to be an organ donor, the rate of being an organ donor is like 5%. Oh. Um, yeah, and so this is a classic example of a nudge. Unfortunately, it, it's one of it's one of only a very small handful of nudges that are actually uh, very large in their magnitude of the effect. Um, most of the other ones are really teeny tiny, um, and how effective they are. Yeah, we um, need to make it a default so, that you donate ninety percent of your money to charity. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you want to raise the tax rate is what is what I'm hearing. That's one way of putting it. Anyway, sorry, I'm interrupting <laughs> you. No, no. Um so so uh so here's my um here's my complaint. Um many of the uh sorts of problems that we want to solve as humans, which would include a psychologist, are not really easily amenable to those kinds of individual level solutions. So if you want to solve racism, the easiest way to do that is not with implicit bias training. Um, that's not going to have much of an, an impact. Rap and country, combine them. Uh, rap and country. But yeah, it didn't run DMC. I guess it wasn't, it was a rap and rock and roll. They did like a song like in the 80s with... Um, Aerosmith? Who did, no. Who did they do that song? Yeah, Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah. Aerosmith. Yeah, I think that was right. All right. Yeah, no, that didn't solve racism. So uh, it actually the <laughs> says you. Cross, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I am being a bit presumptuous here. Um, oh, another yeah, another white with, person thinks we haven't solved racism. <laughs> you don't get <laughs> this to speak. Is critical you, race you don't get to speak on this. Stay in your Are lane. You, okay. Anyway, yeah, go on. Sorry. I keep interrupting your... <laughs> yeah, your... neither of us can talk about racism. Right. No, no, it, it's fine. I'm being a bit of a blowhard right now, so it's good that you're lightening the mood a bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, like, semi-answer the question in a serious no. way, uh, yeah. which is, like, a, mis a mistake. No, no, that's what you I want. You can just cut all of this out. Look, I want the people to learn. Believe it or <sighs> not, that's what I'm committed to. Education, okay, entertainment. Okay, so... Edutainment. The younger generation. We're training the, uh, young minds right now. Can I just say the meanest thing you've ever said to me is when you referred to us as being in different generations. <laughs> did I say that? When did I say that? <laughs> yeah. At some point, no, it's you were true. like, well, in my generation X and your generation Y. Yeah. But like, we are literally in the same you're like You're like the great generation. I'm kind of a bit of a Zoomer sort of... Um, I've got my finger on the pulse is what I'm saying. Right. You're yeah. kind of, you, you're you've experienced, you've experienced government rationing, for example, of food. And I, <laughs> whereas I sort of know about sort of various sort of musics of the, of the, of the time. Oh. And, uh, I know how to use a computer and whereas you think it's just a sort of magic box. You think that everything that's happening in the TV is real. You think there's like a little, there's a little Kramer in the TV that's talking to you, and you point at it and you go like, "Oh, there's Kramer." I wonder how is he's that doing. What, is that what old old people think? They they think that TVs are magic. Maybe later on. Maybe maybe on the real sort of downward <laughs> when spiral. When the dementia sets in. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't remember what you were saying now. You were saying you have all these solutions that you want to provide for the world and psychology only, <laughs> or at least current trends in psychology only provide you with this limited um, scope of... I would actually, uh, yeah, no, I would actually make a stronger statement than that. It's, it's uh -huh. not that current psychology hasn't figured out how to do this. It's that psychology is hubristic um, and is uh, um, only looking for, I mean, just because of uh, I mean, where else are you going to look when this is a kind of hammer and a, a nail problem, uh, right? Where when your only tool is a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. So the psychologists, this, the sorts of uh, solutions that we're qualified to investigate and put forth as uh, possible solutions, um, they're, they're, they're going to look like that. Um, we're, you know, we're not in the business of writing new laws um, and, and making sy systemic um, changes, uh, which would be um, far and away uh, more effective interventions for the sorts of problems that many, many psychologists uh, want to solve. Um, and I don't think that the field has come to terms with that yet. It makes sense why we haven't come to terms with it yet, because it suggests there's a, a limit to what, you know, to what we can put forward and that we're actually the sorts of solutions that we're even equipped to suggest, even under the best of circumstances, right? Even at, if we did our very, very best, um, are not uh, going to um, be very effective. So that's, um, that's not very inspiring. Um, right. Your own, your own inadequacy, you're forced to confront it. Yeah. 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 And it's like, well, listen, dude, there's a lot that psychology is great at, um, but there's, but there's limits. Um, and the, the current trend trends in psychology uh, are to, I think, um, be in denial about that. Right. I think a reckoning is coming, coming though. Yeah. <laughs> a reckoning. There's a rapture. All, all the good, all yeah, the good yeah, psychologists yeah, are going to yeah. get lifted. I meant of like a moral. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to get raptured. Um, like yeah. maybe like one other good psychologist is going to get raptured and then everyone else is going to, you know, be left behind for the apocalypse. Mm. They're all going to have to read their colleagues, pop science books. For oh all, for God. All of yeah. Like just like Jordan Peterson books over and over again. Right. What's he up to? You ever meet him? No, I only know people who have met him, but I myself have not. Um, What's the general yeah. uh, consensus on that? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it, he's an, an embarrassment, but I also think that even though he's technically in a psychology department, um, there's no psychologists that I know who kind of would be like, oh yeah, he's really in our field. He, he does very, um, almost like, continental psychology like it's like really right. yeah. um psychoanalytic it's uh quite quite off the like even his academic work um is not very similar to uh what like an ordinary experimental psychologist would do all right uh next question what aspects of your work do you find particularly motivating so this is this is the flip side what do you love about your job uh, I mean, yeah, so I just got done saying about how, like, you know, impotent the field is to solve any of the yep. truly interesting questions of our mm -hmm. day. Um, <laughs> but the benefits are great. Mm, yeah, right. You well, have a great, you have a great dental of... plan. <laughs> yeah, I, it's true. I do have all of my original teeth. Good job. Um, yeah, thank you. So does my. I've actually never had a cavity. So does my. Oh, really? I've had. I've had one or two, but I'm. I'm English. That's normal. If you don't have, yeah, like eight cavities by the time you're 25, you're considered a, a weakling. Yeah, right. You should be able to whistle through your teeth. <laughs> you should be I mean, able I can to whistle with my teeth. You should be able to eat spaghetti with your door, jaw clenched shut. Well, as we've discussed on previous occasions, I will not be eating any spaghetti anytime soon. That's true. Yeah, you don't like. Mm -hmm. so you're trying to avoid a lady, uh, a lady in the tramp style situation. Yeah, I want to keep the dog. Yeah, who does? <laughs> lady, apparently. That's true. If you are a dog, it is. It is. It does suddenly become acceptable, and that is it's sort okay. of that is but a double yeah. standard. 
Wait, so just recap the spaghetti thing. Oh, yeah, you, you ate too much of it once when you were a kid and you can't eat it anymore? No, I didn't eat too much of it. I just ate it and then got a stomach bug and then barked it all up. And oh, right. Actually, this is, and then now I can't, I can't eat that shape of pasta anymore. This happened when I was 10. Right. Um, but I haven't been able to eat that shape of pasta ever since. And it's just interesting how it generalizes or not. Like, it's not pasta. I can eat, you know, farfalle and I can eat linguine and angel hair even. But linguine is interesting because it's so have. close. Yeah. It's so close. To I know. I yeah, know. Just a slightly and different cross section. I can have. Yeah, and noodles. It, it's really, and noodles. Yeah, oh, noodles are fine. Yeah. You can eat it if uh, it's just the spaghetti. Yeah. Interesting. This. So you There's should... actually a name for this oh. um, uh, effect. It's called the Garcia effect. Um, uh, named after a dude named Garcia, who was a who studied rats and just discovered. Um, this is like an innate learning mechanism um, in, in mammals, apparently for uh, learning what kinds of, especially like generalists, the kind of mammals um, that don't just eat one thing, uh, like a koala bear or something, but animals like humans and rats that need to learn about what foods are safe to eat and not. Um, and uh, so if you eat something and then several hours later, you puke it all up, um, then uh, you basically, there's a learning mechanism in your brain that says like, that food is bad. Don't ever eat that food again. Um, even if in many cases, of course, it's not because it was poisonous. Like spaghetti isn't poison. Um, but, uh, yeah. um, but my brain basically treated it like as if I'd eaten some like, you know, noxious leaves or something. That's why I rarely eat vomit. It, <laughs> what's really funny is that like, you know, the Garcia effect is like very well established, but most people don't have it for alcohol. Uh, ah. So like, you know, even after you like barf up like alcohol or whatever from uh, over in indulging and most yeah, people are not like, oh, like I now I can't taste stand the taste of alcohol anymore. They'll still go out drinking the next weekend. When I was uh, and this is only tangentially related, but my food from childhood that I can't eat anymore is ketchup. I really can't do it because I used to eat but, but with me it's because i used to eat it so much i would have it on pretty much everything i would eat as a child i would eat plain pasta and just mix ketchup into it and eat Aww. a bowl of it yeah yeah <laughs> That's so disgusting. yeah no it's awful it's really bad so i can't i can't i can't do it anymore so when you have french fries do you put anything on them sometimes i do that is the only time when I sometimes do crave it. So not to instantly negate what I just said, but sometimes I do want it with those, <laughs> okay. but I don't, I don't have it. Uh -huh. I just have salt or something. The Belgians okay. have it with uh, mayonnaise. Maybe I should get on that. It's good with mayonnaise. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, it's fried foods, so they're good with everything. You know. Mayonnaise vaguely does disgust me though. I mean, like I have it in things, if it's on a sandwich and I haven't explicitly put it there, then I, I always enjoy it. But I, the idea of taking mayonnaise out of a cupboard and uh, putting it on my yeah. plate is sort of vaguely unsettling to me. That's true. Maybe I need to get over that. Yeah, it's inherently disgusting uh, food stuff, but it does taste good like so many other... There's a lot of foods that are in that category, right? Where it's like, I mean, principle, like very gross, and yet one has to acknowledge that it, it just works in cert for certain applications. What What are the other, what's, what's the list? I mean, the list is very long. Um, oh God, I don't know. I just, you just have to believe me. I... All right, fair enough. <laughs> wow, yeah. what a great podcast guest you are. <laughs> I, I would told you about, I, my brain is not at its, you're right. Like, you're doing. You are right doing now. well. Like, I mean, for someone who is um, considering the like physical pain that I'm in right now. Yeah. Um, physical, like spiritual, pain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Emotional pain. Yeah. 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 I've actually had to hold back several sobs uh, <laughs> during this conversation. Oh, well. I, I mean, so have I. But I'm not. You don't catch me. I do. I, I have to hold back several sobs during every conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're you're more stoical than me. Mm -hmm. You don't complain. Is it stoical? <laughs> Is that the word? I didn't know that. You could say you could also say stoic. Right. Um, you can say either. 
I look. I just need. I need to. I need to halt all. Uh, um, halt all the um, uh, forward momentum of any conversation just to double check on any any of the words being used. <laughs> I think that's how all yeah. the good broadcasters do it. I, you seem to do it with me quite a lot. Yeah, I really don't know what I'm doing. Generally, with you, I mean, you're 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 difficult to make heads or tails of, but generally, I'm, I'm difficult. Generally, just with life, let's do a let's do a little pep talk session section. We're doing. Mm, we're going to ask. Okay. You're, you're going to be a sort of Ramdas figure, a guru, if you will, um, and I'm going to provide you with a yeah. with a problem that I imagine some of my listeners are having. Um, bear in mind, you know, these are my listeners. Um, and I'm just yeah. putting myself oh, in. I'm just that. putting myself in their place. So they're going. Mm-hmm. So listeners listening to this, and they're going. Um, you know, I'm looking at all the potentialities. I'm looking at all the futures unfold in front of me. All the hypotheticals, and none of them are exciting me. You know, and um, yeah, I'm just on this a constant, just in this constant oscillate oscillatory mode of coming up with these big plans for the future that I never sort of engage with meaningfully. And, you know, I'm moving in a week and uh, I just think, you know, I have all these grand ideas in my head and I'm getting vaguely excited about them, but a part of me knows that I really won't do them. And uh, maybe, and I just have this cosmic certainty that I'm going to live a long time and that all of it's going to be sort of quietly desperate and sad I'm going to die alone. So that's what something maybe a listener would be thinking. How how would you attack that? How would you? Oh, <laughs> well, I would say Leo. Oh, hey, um... come on. DiCap- <laughs> You're right. DiCaprio <laughs> does does tune in every now and then, but he's a he's a friend. You <laughs> you are you are moving in a week, right? I I am. I mean, coincidentally, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, and, and, and you do, you do talk a lot about this worry of, um, well, are you, I mean, I think it's an anxiety particularly strong when you're in your twenties, but it, it, it never really, depending on who you are, depending on how you sort of, uh, resolve that, those thoughts as you get older, um, it, uh, it it looms potentially less large. I think that like when I was younger uh, and I saw people who I thought like, oh, like they haven't made anything of their lives. I was just like projecting onto them that they were like unhappy with their lives or their decisions when like I actually had no evidence to that effect. It's like, you know, like maybe they're like completely like at peace and actually like almost certainly were. Um, but it was more just like my anxiety about like, am I going, I have all these things that I want to do and am I going to actually do them or am, am I going to be like a loser or whatever? Um, so I guess like I am prefacing my answer by saying like, these are the preoccupations, especially of like someone in their twenties, I think. And, and like in many ways, like these problems kind of like resolve themselves as you get older and they don't necessarily resolve themselves in the sense of like, and like you achieve all of the stuff that you had intended to achieve, um, which by the way, and this is something that like, I think most people know intellectually, um, but maybe it helps to hear it like repeated, um, you know, achieving all these things, like, let's say that you, you, you know, you have this list of things you want to do, you know, you want to like record a like critically acclaimed record and you want to write like a novel that is like whatever, highly respected or like whatever, right? Insert your thing here. You want to start a business. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the hell, like whatever you want to do. Um, But like, let's say that you have all that. Um, That's not, really not only is that not going to guarantee happiness like it almost certainly will be orthogonal to it like in every way yeah of course it doesn't really (laughs) really like solve anything and there's this weird disconnect that many of us have between like oh like we have these like ambitions and goals and like implicit in the idea of having those kinds of like ambitions and goals is that like 
you'll then then you'll be happy or you'll be satisfied in some way um when that's just like a category error that's like that's not how it works um yeah but isn't that isn't that I, part I don't know how much of a pep talk that is I, yeah isn't that part of the uh thing like you're going okay i look so the listener's going i look at all the eventualities and none of them are exciting one of those eventualities is the one where everything goes right and you're left atop the mountain sort of mm. dead-eyed and and uh, empty. Uh, so like that. Oh, I see. So like this is the this is the version of the the anxiety, which is like, you know, even yeah. if I, I everything goes perfectly, I'll still be uh, miserable like right. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's two kind of responses that to have to that. That um, one one is like. Yeah, I mean, um, that's quite possible. Um, many of us like stay at the same level of happiness or misery throughout our lives, regardless of what happens to us. Yeah, I remember having that and, realization. Uh, Some people just yeah. uh, you you really do stay where stay stay where you are. Like your circumstances change, and you acclimatize almost immediately. <laughs> There's no yes. escape. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The um, the, the, the psychologists have a word for this too. It's called uh, the hedonic treadmill. Um, so right. yeah, it's just like you, you, so if a good thing happens to you, or if a bad thing happens to you, um, you your mood will change in like for that you know the the next few like days or weeks, but then you'll kind of go back to your baseline, whatever that baseline is. Mm. Um, but like. Uh, you know, I mean, happiness is a complicated subject. It's not just like what your mood is day to day, but it also includes what your mood is day to day. And so if you just look at mood, um, as people get older, some research suggests that they tend to get happier, even though like maybe their lives aren't any better. But like, so there's also research that shows the opposite, Um, particularly as one enters like the very final stages of life where like your body and mind are like in decay. Um, I mean, this is most people experience this as like a sad period of life Um, and not a not a particularly profound one. Yeah, that in particular is we're so used to thinking of periods of, I don't know, sadness or depression or whatever the the fundamental way we gauge those things and understand them is that maybe it doesn't feel like it in 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 the moment but the ultimate hope is that the ultimate true piece of um uh reassurance you can give yourself is that it will go away and that you know though life is a is a Mm. you you tend to um alternate between you know feelings and they will the clouds will part and you'll have a a nice time later Mm. on but when when it comes to old age and decay and confronting death there is none of that Mm. you're just you're just gonna watch your limbs fall off your body and uh, and then close your eyes forever yeah yeah the (laughs) the ending is the same regardless of what the trajectory is yeah so that's that's a little depressing i mean like being old just seems uh Although old people are happier, aren't they? Well, like I said, uh, it depends on what stage of uh, oh, right, yeah. old they're in. Yeah. yeah. So in the final years, yeah. it's it's really, there's no upside. Oh, you can hope that maybe you die uh, like of a quick illness or an accident or something if there's no period of decay. So yeah. like just OD when you're 36 or something. Yeah, genuinely, um, I, I do. I do daydream about being hit by a car in my like mid 70s. Um, mm. I daydream about hitting you with my car <laughs> in the mid-70s. Hmm, I think we can come to a certain agreement then. Hmm, symbiotic relationship. Well, no, for yeah. you for you it would be your late 90s, but yeah, we get we get it. Um, <laughs> if you, yeah, no, I mean, if you can still drive probably have taken away my driver's license. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, what's been, your, what's been your experience with achieving... Um, some degree of mm. well, I say some degree with achieving professional and uh, financial success. Wait, what's the how have I, how have I dealt with it? Well, no, just what's been your experience with it? What have you sort of wrestled with oh, or reconciled? 
You could even just say it's been great. No complaints here. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I would say that um, um, there is, there's definitely like, I do have less angst than I used to because there's a period in your life at the very beginning, right? Where you're like, will I achieve any of the things that I want to? Because it could be zero, zero out of a hundred. That'd be a shame. Right? Um, and then, and then you, <laughs> it would be. But it's fully possible, right? Especially if you want things that are like hard to get or whatever. Um, but then, like, well, like now maybe I'm in a period where I'm like, oh, like some of the things, like some small portion of them, like they actually happened. So like I don't experience as much angst about them, um, right? Because it's like, well, let's let's to you know, oh, like I got a job as a professor. Like I always wanted a job as a professor, and now like have that at least for now right um yeah it's, you know it's, it's funny that i won't get tenure or whatever and then it's funny do you remember do you know you know the humans of new york that that um yeah thing yeah everyone knows it they had a they they had a show that i don't think many people were aware of on facebook it was like a facebook exclusive tv show um where they would do basically the humans of new york thing but in video format and where they would interview random people around new york and ask them for sort of life stories and stuff it was pretty good i don't know what i think it must have been in okay. 2018 or something and they were they were interviewing okay. this like there was this like especially depressing one for me personally i don't know where i mean mm. actually no it, there were way more depressing wasn't this but one that stuck with me was um they were interviewing this old actor in new york who was still living on in this like um same apartment he'd been in same like rent frozen apartment he'd been in for years and um he'd never ever found any success with it he was alone mm. and he was just going um like mm. yeah no i just if i die if i but i'm still holding out hope and he's like in his late 60s and he's going yeah i'm still going out to auditions and i'm still you know um oh my god and, and he was saying like you know i just if i die without getting something i, I don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> like, it does it none of the no. angst went away he's absolutely not going to be in anything important um he's chosen a career yeah. that is even less meritocratic than the average um thing you could yeah. attempt to do yeah. yep 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 so i guess what i'm getting at is i'm glad i'm not trying to be an actor Yeah, we should all be glad for that, except for the actors. <laughs> we should all be glad that I'm not trying to be an actor. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, it's not what I meant, but I think that's also true. That is yeah. also true. I would be, I would be really bad. I, I very, very flat affect. Yes, and I, 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 I have acted before. I was in a production of West Side Story as a child. What role were you in? Oh, you know, back background character number seventeen. I think I was one of the um, jets. No, I was you were one just of the jets. One of the jets. Yes. Okay. No, I didn't believe in playing a Puerto Rican. I, 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 I was. I made sure they didn't put me in that role. Right. You didn't want to do brown face. No. How noble. Um, and I, another thing that happened is there was a portion of the play where they set up a little mock orchestra of the kids that could play instruments, and had a little dancing scene. <laughs> And I told them I could play the trumpet when I couldn't. And <laughs> it's on it's on DVD. But instead of doing the clever thing in hindsight and not playing the trumpet, I tried to play the trumpet and just uh, sabotage the entire production. <laughs> this is like during the performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time that everyone discovered that you couldn't play the trumpet. Yeah, yeah. So it's like... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, last question on this list is, uh, do you have any questions for us? Typical interview question towards the end, when you've kind of, mm -hmm. when you've aced, you've aced it, you've got the job. I've aced it, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, for that, I would always, um, I would prepare, because I know they always have that question right. at the end. That's every time you get that. Of course. And so I prepared questions to ask that are just like boilerplate questions. What would you ask? And I would ask a different question. Oh, I had a good one. Oh, okay. So here's the so here's like 
Okay, so yes, this is like, a, this is a good one. I think it applies like outside of academia as well. So like all the listeners should at their next job interview, when you get this as a question, this is what you should ask, uh, except tailor it so that it works for whatever the workplace is. Um, the one I would ask is when people in the department fight, what do they fight about? Oh. Yeah. So like what are the disagreements that the that the department will have? But you know you don't you don't here's a, what's key. You don't say does anyone ever fight in the department? Are there is there ever is there any ever uh, ever any disagreement? Um so cuz if you put it that way then no 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 one is everyone is you know and we all get along. It, that's never true. You have a group of people there's always going to be disagreements that are not necessarily acrimonious, right? Um Nonetheless, this will give you a sense of like what's going on beneath the surface. Um, right. It's not. It's a question that it's phrased in such a way that it doesn't give offense, but it also shows curiosity. Like I want to understand how the workplace works, right? Like I want to know like what's going on. Um, but it's a way to extract an answer that's a little, just a tiny bit more candid than just like, oh, what do you like the most about being here? Right. You know, because that's, you're not going to get any useful intel that way. That's, well, isn't, that's great advice. If they retain nothing else, they should retain that. This whole go. conversation has just been a gatling gun of, of, of witticism, insight, <laughs> genius, credible threats against disgraced uh, academics. Uh, I don't know. Oh. What else? Just uh, I'm only ruined after this podcast. I there. know. I'm looking forward to it, actually. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, ideally, you list, you you are consuming some. You be, there are there are podcasts you could be consuming, and the the information they give will move in tandem with sort of experience you may have gained recently, and they germinate this beautiful seed. You you didn't even know you'd plant it, and suddenly you're thinking about new things. You're on a higher plane of thought. You listen to this. Um, it has the opposite effect it's like dumping mm. a bunch of um uh, insect repellent on your on your mind on the seeds directly your onto your brain stem yeah 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 <laughs> yeah cool and on, i'm happy to be part of it yeah and on that note uh thank you for joining me well thank you for having me i hope that this time the recording works oh god so do i can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to kill myself, but I'd kill you first. Thank you very much. All right. See you, Nina. Mm -hmm. Bye. Get out of here. <laughs>